Welcome to Raising Up Cops, the podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Madonna. Madonna has an awesome topic for us today that I'm really excited to get into. But before we talk to you about, you know, the, the topic of the day, last night was the first Yalla speed dating event. <gasps> I know that every married person out there is dying to know how it went am I right yes yes we are very dying to know how did it go what happened okay first of all everybody I just the our Coptic youth are so precious they're so sweet they make everything worthwhile like they are really just such honey buns they're really so cute and um even though the platform gave us a lot of funny glitches which we can talk about later but everybody's attitude was so good and we all had such a good time. All the feedback was so positive. It was incredible. Like uh, one guy hopped on like an hour late and he was like, oh, sorry, I, I just saved a life in the ER, but I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was the cutest thing. Um, yeah, it was incredible. It was, it was beautiful. It was better than I could have imagined, honestly. So how many weddings are you going to be in the coming oh, I don't know. years? I don't know. We got to give them their time. Yes. Because some, <laughs> some of the comments I got were like, how do you expect someone to know who to marry after five minutes? Um, and honestly, I don't expect you. Yeah. That's definitely not the goal of that. <laughs> <Not> the <point. laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think people really connected and um, there were even opportunities to connect, like to make new female friends, make new male friends. We had like one guy tell another, like, uh, more about how to get ahead in his career. It was just very awesome, very positive. Um, and um, we're really excited. I just wanted to share because it was such a high, such an emotional high yesterday, trying to corral everybody and like run it. And it, it just went great. That's amazing. Thank God. So it turned into a giant Coptic networking event with some romantic interests, possibly. Yes, because the romance comes later, right? I mean, we're not, not everyone is going to have a love at first sight story, but everyone got to meet people that were, that they would have normally not met, right? Yes. Maybe by distance or just didn't happen to be at the same convention at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that they just had a good time overall. And the best part, Madonna, is that it's so low pressure. Like we, it is not, I don't know. I've seen some of these like very intense things that happen and it's just not like that. Or even like app chat conversations can be like, are you ready to get married tomorrow? Like it's just sometimes we put so much pressure on them that they don't even get to be themselves. And I think this was an opportunity for them to do that. I think the premise of this was clear too. So it probably made it easier to, you know, chat. It's not like constant questioning. What is this person thinking? What is this for? So that's nice. Right. It wasn't like, there wasn't so much of a, like a gameplay, you know, it was just relaxed. And I think that made a big difference to their um, attitudes going in too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yay. So congrats. Yellow speed dating. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I'll, I'll let you know when the, when we're invited to weddings. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> um, but the other thing we were saying is we should run these live. And I was thinking just now the other person who would run one of these live is you, Madonna, like you would hundred percent. I would be thrilled. <laughs> like teaching, just corralling 16. They're not really hundred I mean, they're our age, but (laughs) corralling 16 kids. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's really 16 different attentions. (laughs) That's That's all it is. Okay, now speaking of kids, 
and classrooms. Please tell us yeah. about this topic. Okay. So I, I approached Laura about this and I know that this is a topic that's very near and dear to Laura's heart. And it's about servants. Uh, okay. Service in the church. All right. And we know that service in the church can look like really anything. Um, the most common one that we all think about is Sunday school. And as the churches have grown, there's been a lot more different needs lately for different types of services. So um, in, in our church specifically at STSA, there are like a thousand volunteer opportunities or service opportunities available. In other more traditional churches, I find that it's pretty much the same couple, which is you're either doing Sunday school, you're either or helping in the kitchen or like you're a deacon. Those are pretty much the top three ways that you help serve, like hymns class and things like that, right? Those are pretty much the top three. Well, I ended up having a really interesting conversation two days in a row with two groups of people. The first group of people were people um, that are currently volunteering or serving at church. And we were talking about how challenging it has become to volunteer at church for various reasons. We haven't quite pinpointed if it's because people's lives are just more complicated and more busy, so the dedication is not as much as it used to be, or if people just don't care as much. And I know that that's a really broad stroke, so I want to like dig into that deeper later. The second group of people I had a conversation with actually included a priest, and the priest was noticing a similar trend he was saying something like, okay, take Sunday school, for example. A parent will volunteer, say their kid is in preschool, and they'll volunteer in preschool. Then their kid grows up a little bit, and they go to elementary. So what does the parent do? They follow their kid to elementary, and they keep following their kid up. To this priest, that was a disadvantage because he's saying it's not a dedication to the service. It's kind of selfish. You're just going where you where it's benefiting you and your children. And he's like, I've noticed in general that people don't are just not as dedicated as they used to be to service. And they just kind of do whatever serves them simultaneously as it serves the church. Like we need this thing. So I'm going to start the service. So I was curious, Laura, what you thought about that. Okay. So I think Madonna started with the caveat that it's different in different churches. Mm -hmm. And I think for you and I, right? Like you, you and me grew up in, we grew up in churches that had very light service. If, if that's true for, I don't know if it was true for you, but like our servants were, no, you, your face doesn't say yes. Okay. So yeah, we just I'll, I'll talk about mine in a bit. <laughs> so I came from a very tiny church where the servants showed up for Sunday school on Sunday for an hour. And that was all. And we never heard from them again. We never did anything else. There was nothing else. It was a very small church. My husband came from St. Mark Cleopatra, where there is an army of servants and an yes. army of service, and you are intimately involved in your children's lives at every moment. And on Friday night, if they go to a dance party, you go and pluck them out of that dance party yourself. <laughs> you exactly. um, and so we have, so I think, so, okay, if I'm talking for me, I think it is sometimes perspective, a priest that goes from St. Mark Cleopatra or let's say any servant who goes from St. Mark Cleopatra and ends up in a church like I grew up in will be shocked. Why aren't you guys doing home visits? Why aren't you guys doing X? Mm. Where is your commitment to service? Whereas those people, well, they've never even seen or conceived 
such an intimate relationship. Okay. That's my two cents. Okay. I want to hear from you now. <laughs> okay. So in the church that I grew up in, it is also fairly small, but not tiny. I mean, at the time when it like at the peak of when I was serving, it was probably like a hundred families or so. Okay. Not tiny, not gigantic. But what happened was we had about four people that were dedicated that ended up doing everything. The church needed to be clean. We showed up. The Sunday school needed to do a trip. We showed up. The whatever needed to get done, we showed up. So in the end, it ended up with these four very burnt out servants who did everything to everybody. And maybe that was a a problem with us and that we didn't delegate enough or we didn't like know how to do that. But I found that it really just ended up being the same group of people. Now, in the church that I'm currently in, our our net is far and wide. There is a huge group of people that are serving and volunteering, and they're all over the place. But I almost see it as a bad thing in some ways. And the reason is we have a lot of people that now, because there's so many, they're laid back. They rely on the person next to them because like, I'm one of 500 people that are doing this job. And um, the people that I would normally see serving are not the ones that are serving. And I'll give you an example. We notice that in Sunday school, all the people serving Sunday school are parents. Whereas when I was a single adult without children, I was serving the Sunday school and the parents were getting fed in a different way. I don't see that now. There's barely any single childless servants in the service at all. And I don't know if it's, tied into the movement towards people not wanting to have children. So they're not interested or maybe they are. And I just don't see them. I don't know if you've seen anything like that. Okay. Let me give my current status. So we have, we are, I guess we would, I would say we're similar to you in that everyone in the church is a servant in some capacity. So Mm -hmm. everybody does some service and we have some committees that are running certain things, but there are people definitely who end up whether by their own volition or that's just the way they get roped, we all go back to this person to to work through any kind of service issues, whether it's in the kitchen or it's in the serve Sunday school or it's in the whatever. Like there are a few, a pocket full, a handful of people that we go to who are like super committed servants. Yes, we have the same situation, yes. And we have, for example, in our um, Sunday school, like we have several servants assigned to each class And in the past, you would find just like one or two people showing up regularly. But I feel we have seen actually an increase in their commitment where more people show up more often and are more interactive and more engaged in the service. Um, There was one other thing you said that I wanted to comment on. Oh, about the single adults. Okay. So we have sort of a situation where we don't, we are not a college town at all. I mean, we have a college, but most people leave to go to school. Mm. But we don't actually have much of the single, um, although we do have a couple that just got engaged. So they were previously. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, I know, I guess we have all kinds because again, everybody serves so that everyone is serving in their capacity. So I, we just don't have that college age because we don't have a college. Okay. So we have, because our church has such a wide range of service opportunities, there's things that we didn't have growing up. And I do think that those are the opportunities that the childless people want to go for because it's more up their alley in, in certain ways. But in general, I've noticed a trend that people actually, 
I don't want to say this because there's still that really group of committed people that you see that really stand out from the crowd. They really go above and beyond. You can rely on them hands down. And then there's the people who volunteer and who do a good job, but they have to be asked, which is, I think when I pinpoint the difference, that is the difference. I think that growing up, nobody had to be asked to do stuff. It was just what you did. Like when you grew up in the church, you were part of the service and that was it. There was no like opportunity to not. Are you sure that that is not your perspective as a kid? I mean, because I'm sure, I'm sure there are uncles, for example, who somebody had to beg to come serve, you know, like I feel like, but this is, but, but let's go back to our main topic, which is has service decreased or increased? I think it depends on, I think one is church dependent, but then I am hearing this from a lot of different people. I've heard a lot of different people say the commitment to the service has decreased. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say compared to Egypt or maybe like Boston where people are crazy. Dedicated. I don't know where people, where are people? For example, <laughs> I've heard that um, in New Jersey, some servants are like, there are really strong core groups of servants. I don't know. So, and I think, well, I'm wondering if maybe priorities have changed too. Like, um, I feel, or or maybe we got so good at figuring out Sunday school that now people focus on other things that need help to be in a routine, kind of like Sunday school is now. Because I can, we can be sure that when Sunday school started, it was not as smooth. It was not as cut out. Like we didn't have curriculums. We didn't have curriculums. And now we have so many to choose from. Whereas before it was just kind of whatever Tunt wanted to come in and give a little Bible lesson, she would do it. You know, that was kind of how it used to work. So it's just interesting to me to see how the shift has changed in church. But there was one other piece, Laura, that I'm curious to see what you think about it. When our parents came to America, church was home. It was like the relief and the reprieve of the society they were living in. Everything was so different from what they were used to. And so church, they had like a vested heart interest in making the church a good place to be for their kids. So, I mean, the dedication came from a place of one fear, because I don't want them to be so involved in the in the world that they forget about our, our values. So they involved themselves in church. And two, just because for them, it was a relief. Whereas now we're faced with a situation where, thank God, our churches have grown so much. They're all over the place. And we're not as worried about losing our, our, I don't know if we're not as worried about losing our values, but just, we don't have, we don't do it out of a place of fear anymore. Our dedication doesn't come from like, I need my kids to be so stuck to the church. I don't want them to be involved with the world. It's more like church has become more of a regular part of life i'm not sure i'm still thinking it out loud i hear you so definitely i feel like there are people who are still coming in that kind of panicked fear you know people who are because there are some very scary things happening outside in general western society right that's why we're we're here talking um but i think yeah i think we're in many ways not a persecuted church or a terrified immigrant minority we are now Mm -hmm established warm place to be and i i see like the difference in like the generation of kids that just left our church versus the generation that's growing up right now right you know the generation that just just went to college or just graduating 
um, their parents like forced them to go to church because it was like that kind of like desperation of maintaining their cultural identity and their mm-hmm. faith values and so on. But the kids that are coming now, church is home. Church is their favorite place to be. Like, you know, knisty knisty. Like now it's like a reality. It's not like this, like, I wish this were true because we live so far away. Now it's like, oh no, church is my home. It is my mother. Like, this is my life. I, I go to church because it's where I belong and where all my best friends are. Yes. So I think that's, um, there's definitely a shift. And I think, you know, um, our friend Shireen Marcus touched on this in her work when she talked about how we're not an immigrant church any longer, right? We, mm-hmm. Church is shifting in that way. Um, yeah. Cause that- I mean, I, I mean, I've talked about it before, but like the, you know, and I think all many of us have similar stories. The church that I grew up in, it started out with just five or six families that had to do everything. And we didn't have a regular priest. We had a priest come once a month, hopefully. And during those other month, other weeks that we didn't have a priest, our parents didn't just sit at home. They, they took us to church and we still got together. We practiced hymns. We, you know, it broke bread together. And just if nothing else, we just hung out together. And there was like a sense of identity through that. Um, you just don't see the the need for that as much anymore. So I think it contributes to the shift. Mm, yeah, perhaps. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the whole, the parents following the age of their kids. Mm. And I think I am actually very forgiving of that because I, I'm the kind of person who, so I definitely went through, I taught at every age before having kids. I taught at every age. Um, but then at one point I realized what age I wanted to serve. Like I, mm. or what age I actually had some talent to serve. Like I'm not going to be doing crafts with the second graders. It's not <laughs> where I can best be used. Yeah. Um, but I feel for parents, they're not all, they're not trained teachers the way we are. Right. And so actually they don't even know like kids of like parents of preschoolers, let's say they have no idea what teenagers look like, what teenagers do. They're, they're serving in the capacity that not just that serves them, but also what they have any knowledge of, you know, and as they grow, they learn to deal with different ages. They find their, their niche. Maybe they find, Oh no, I never ever want to deal with teenagers ever again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We send them back down to deal with the preschoolers. But I think it just comes from not knowing themselves, not knowing their skills and not, not understanding much about child development in general. It's like, that's their training session. You know, they don't, they don't get like a, a formal education they raise their kids and then they figure out from there where to go that's a fair point i think that's a fair point that you know the skill set again because there was such limited options for service like you're gonna do sunday school that's pretty much all you've got and people just don't not everyone's built to be a teacher but they do their best they dedicate themselves so that's good um yeah i can i can agree with that assessment and i didn't think of it as something that bothered me before I just, to me, it kind of like made sense, but I thought it was intriguing the way he worded it, that he was saying that it's, it's not a dedication to the service. It's a dedication to what serves you. Like you're sitting there thinking about how, how will this help me? So that's where I want to serve. But I guess, is that really a bad thing? I don't even think that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm picturing like, so my sister right now has two toddlers. I don't think that her service is with the toddlers. But she has to be in that room with those kids because she has to be because she has the yes. toddlers. You know, it's not like she can, they're not at the age yet. She can just toss them to the servants there and like walk away. It's not really a choice. I think it's, I really don't think people are consciously thinking, 
oh yes, now I'm in the teen service so I can learn how to deal with teens. I think it's more like just that's what they know now. That's the only thing they know um, at, the, at that point. Um, and some of them don't, should never serve teens. Like, and, and I think that's the thing is like, I, <clears throat> so we have servants who um, moved down South from Canada and they said that at their church, you did not get to choose your service. You never mm. chose your service. You were assigned your service. And if you asked for something, you got the opposite of what you asked for. <laughs> and I do know that some, I do know some priests that do that. And I don't know if I agree with that either. Like, I don't agree with that either. <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of counterproductive, you know, because the whole point is to serve where you feel called. Like, but I also understand the piece of obedience, you know, like you're doing but, this. The thing is, who is calling you? God is calling you, not your. That's what I mean. God. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> for sure. But at the same time, like, you know, all the time we've heard of stories of priests being called to be priests and they didn't want it. And there's some of them who still act like they don't want it. Like it's not a good situation. Oh, no. I haven't right. seen those. God forbid. No, I mean, it's it's not like they're doing a bad job, Laura, but you can see that it's just not like as. OK, I'm not going to talk too much about it. Uh, okay, okay. I'm not going to talk too much about it, but definitely I think there's a difference between where you go, where your dedication is versus being told to do this thing and you're reluctantly doing it and you're just bitter and resentful about doing it. It's just not going to produce the same fruits. And there's a difference between being self-aware and knowing that this is where you would benefit. And Sometimes you need someone to say, you know what? I see that you have a talent in this and you didn't even know mm-hmm. you go to that service and you're like, oh, wow, like that's how you learn kind of where your talents and skills. Well, are. and also that being said, I feel like I keep walking the line back and forth, back and forth. But I also think that there is value in doing something that makes you uncomfortable because for one, like what you said, you discover something you didn't know that you could do. And the only way that you know don't know that you could do it is if you never done it and someone made you do it, right? That's one way to figure it out. And two, because there's growth in the discomfort. Like how many times in the Bible did God do tell people to do something that they were like, no, no, I'm not the person for this job. And God's like, it's not about you. So 100% we know that there is an obedience factor and there's a dedication factor. So overall, Laura, would you say then your assessment is that it has not changed the service? servants i think that overall if i were to average everybody out we would probably find we're in the same place that we've been in the u.s at least and Mm -hmm. i think that the real issue is a lack of training and set expectations and not necessarily a lack of desire to serve fully from the people do you know what i mean yeah people are burdened they don't really know what their service should look like they've never really seen a good example and they're doing their best and sometimes their best is not up to par with what is expected by whoever's in leadership. Um, well, do you feel like life is more complicated now and it is harder to make time to serve? Or do you feel like it's still about the same? I, I'm assuming it's the same. I'm assuming that it's the same. I'm just older now. So my life is more complicated. <laughs> I, <see. laughs> you know, I don't know. I feel like life feels different. I feel like it feels, at least from what I observe around me. But not just for you. Do you know what I no. mean? Like, no, what I was going to tell you. Living a complicated life. <laughs> no, but this is what I was going to tell you is the opposite. Is that like Danny and I make a conscious effort. And this is so difficult for a lot of people. So I'm not saying this like people should be doing this or shouldn't be. 
But we make a conscious effort to say no to a lot of things so that we can be a family together. Like that's our priority. And when we can say no, we say no. And when we can say yes, we say yes. Um, but I do find that a lot of people really struggle with that, especially when it comes to their kids. Like they want their kids to never miss an opportunity, never miss a, a piano lesson or a soccer game or um, like a, a service or this or that, which is good in many ways. But because you're saying yes to those things, you're saying no to other things, right? So it, it it's complicated in that it's harder to say no, I think. There are more options, maybe. There are a lot more options. I, I would agree with that. Like for, for us as a church and as, you know, an active family in the church, sometimes there are so many things happening in a weekend for kids. I'm just like, I'm not doing all of that. I'm, yes. We're going to go home and sleep. Like we need yes. <laughs> it's too much. don't yeah. need another play date at church. We're okay. Like that's. So how does this apply to our kids growing up in the church now? Well, I really like where you were taking it, where you have to know what your goals and priorities are for your family, going back to what we said like last time. And so if there are 10,000 options, if church now is a buffet, then mm-hmm. please make sure you're choosing the things that serve your kids' ultimate goal, right? Which is yes. growing in faith, not necessarily getting better at basketball or, or or taking Arabic lessons or whatever. I don't know what cool things are being offered, but and might I say, might I say that not every boy has to be a deacon. Am I going to get hit for that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, cause I see so many people that are like, I can't wait for my kid to become a deacon. I'm like, does he want to be? And then you see them being dragged up there and they're like angry about it. And it's just, Wait until they say, I don't know. That's a whole other story. I know. But... That's a whole other, I, I really, so Abuna wasn't ordained until he was 12. Yes. I think it's not a bad idea to make it, but it's okay. I mean, the six-year-olds are adorable and they love They them. are. They're so oh. adorable. They're so adorable. I don't know. They I am, are. I am the inventor of the future deacon onesie. So <laughs> <laughs> I can only criticize that's myself fair. so far. <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair. And I mean, I'm I like every Coptic mother with a son dreams that their kid will be a deacon. Like nobody sits there and hopes that they won't be. And I know I'm thinking about it for my kid, but I also look at him and, I, and I'm like, he's not ready. Like he's five, he's of age, but I don't think he's ready yet. He's just. I remember there was this one when I was before I had kids, because, you know, you have lots of opinions before you have kids. And this poor child, six years old, standing in line to get ordained, but he was so nervous. He was like sucking on the Tonya. No, no. I just remember being like, if you are so young that you are sucking on your Tonya on your way to being ordained, I don't think you should be ordained. (laughs) But we actually one time, uh, I don't remember if it was the Pope that joked about it, but like a little mother brought her infant son and said, can you go ahead and ordain him? And and Pope Shenouda, he was so cute. He was just like, what is he going to do? Like, he's, like, why are you trying to ordain him? It's just like, I just want you to be the one to ordain him. And I wanted it to happen as soon as possible. And he was like, no, like, I ordain infants. Like, but in any case, oh, I do think that there's always room for improvement always room for growth. We always know that. And I want to encourage everybody that church is going to look different for each person's family, your dynamic, your relationship with it, the location you're in, the congregation you're with. So don't take anything that we say as like a broad stroke that everybody 
you know, is experiencing the same things, but look at it yourself. What's your reason for service? What's your dedication and what's your goal, your ultimate goal, as Laura said, for your kids and for your family. And then maybe pick that way as long as your priest is not forcing you into certain things, I guess. Yeah, I think that's very valid, Madonna. Like in your own service, strive to be committed, strive to find the best example of your service possible and and seek to do that. Um, And then, yeah, and then when it comes to your own kids, Guys, use your brains. I don't think we need to tell you that. You are. <laughs> yes, 100%. It's okay to rest. You don't have to go to every church event. Exactly. Events, not liturgy. Events, not liturgy. Events. Not the same thing. <laughs> Please go to those. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to everybody next time, I guess. Right, Madonna? Yep. And on that note, see you next time at Raising Up Cops. Raising Up Cops is a production of Coptic Dad and Mom. This podcast is hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lawindi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Orthodox Church or its hierarchy. These are our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you'd like to reach out with any questions or comments, you can reach us at raisingupcops at gmail.com.